0: As it's him in this rustling on limited as it's Wednesday. And you know what that means. It means tonight was a E W dynamite. And I'll say it was a good episode of dynamite. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but where, how many weeks now from all in and all out, and they built nothing towards both of those shows. We are, we have how many more dynamites? One, two, three, four. I want to say, when's All In? AEW All In. All In
1: well, is like a week before uh, All Out. Right, August twenty seventh. Yeah, we have
0: one, two, three, four more AEW Dynamites, and they've told us nothing about All In. Now we do know one match for All Out, and that's Darby Allen challenging for the um, TNT championship. But other than that, we've got two big pay-per-view shows that they want us to pay $50 each for and they still haven't told us what's on either show. Granted, All Out in Chicago, I think, is almost sold out already with no matches announced or one match announced. And All In has sold over 75,000 or close to 75,000 tickets with no matches announced. So that's good for them. But still, Build up to these shows. I don't need you building things for big episodes of Dynamite. Now, I get next week is the 200th episode of Dynamite. They've announced a couple of things for that show. I think three things in total. But start even just hinting at what we're going to get at All In in Wembley, hinting at what we're going to get at All Out in Chicago, because I have no clue at all. Like, maybe at All In in Wembley, we get, um, Adam Cole challenging MJF. Maybe. Maybe at All Out in Chicago, it's CM Punk versus the world champion. I don't know. And with only four weeks left, they need to be telling us what we're getting on these shows. You've been hyping them up for two months, a month and a half. It's like AEW has, as of right now, big gaps between their big shows because they can slowly build storylines. They can slowly tease what they're going to do. But if they're really only going to take three weeks to set stuff up anyways, then they should, they might as well be like WWE doing a pay-per-view every week because they rush shit all the time. Anyways. So it's like when AEW first started, their whole thing was four pay-per-views a year. So we can slow build stories to the pay-per-view but they don't slow build stories to the pay-per-view. They just rush things at the very end. So that's my thought on all of
1: that. It's just different than what they said they were going to do. But Luke, what did you think of tonight's show? tonight's
2: show was just okay. Nothing great. Literally just felt like just there's like no build to like all in or all out. Especially with how well All In is doing in ticket sales, you would think they're going like really strong of like building stuff up for All In, but they're doing nothing. They're doing nothing as far as like building stuff up.
0: I mean, I don't want to speak for Tony Khan, but he may have that mentality of, well, we already sold all these tickets. What does it matter what's on the show? They're coming regardless. You know what I mean? And I don't want to speak for Tony Khan and say that's what he's thinking, but that's what it looks like. But- Regardless with that, I want to say thank you guys for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod App, Pod, Pod Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember in the live chat, you can now put hype chats similar to super chats on youtube where your question comment or concern will get highlighted in the chat and then we'll make sure to read them live on the air also remember that you can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways you can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with amazon prime because remember if you have amazon prime then you have prime gaming all you do is take that amazon prime account take that twitch account link them together bada bing bada boom your prime gaming Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember to head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. And finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use the code down here on the screen, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code PWMLIMITED for all Epic Games and Epic Games Store purchases, and it only takes a second. Say you're claiming the free games. Right now, there's Murder by Numbers and The Elder Scrolls Online. I'll tell you exactly how long it takes to put this code in for both games. We're going to do a countdown really fast and see how long this takes and go. So you click get if you're on your computer. Oh, I'm not logged in. Never mind. This ain't going to work. I'll do it later. I was going to see how long it actually takes, but it only takes like 15, 20 seconds per game that you want to claim. And then you go on from there. Again, you can do this on your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Nintendo, or your even mobile device, depending on what you're trying to get bucks for, or buy. Also remember, this podcast is brought to you by Pro Wrestling
1: Loot, but we'll talk about that later. As far as the show does go, the show opened up with Orange Cassidy
0: defending the international championship against AR Fox. Excalibur welcomes us alongside Tony Schiavone and Taz as they run down the events of the night sent it to a video package about the history of Darby Allen and AR Fox. The advice that Fox uh, gave to Allen is documented as Allen put over how Fox gave him a place to stay for free while he was training. Allen said if anyone deserves a shot at a title, it's AR Fox. As without him, there may not be a Darby Allen. As far as the match itself, good action-packed opener. Wouldn't call it a great match or anything, but I'd say it was pretty good and a good way to start off the show. So, interestingly, they said that this is AR Fox's sixth title match in AEW. He's been successful, unsuccessful in all of them. I think four of those were for the trios titles with different teams. And then he challenged for the TNT Championship and now the International Championship. Also, this was Orange Cassidy's 27th defense of the title. Fox tried to keep Cassidy grounded early, but Cassidy responded with his hands in his pockets and some mind games and powder, only to eat a quick moonsault to the floor by AR Fox. Back inside the ring, Fox used his speed to hit a roll through suplex, which Cassidy countered into a stun dog millionaire. Fox answered by kicking out of the corner with a leaping cutter and twisting brain buster for a near fall. Fox then stayed in control for the majority of the commercial break. Cassidy fought out of a third neck breaker, but Fox, by Fox, before trading some big boots to the face. Each man blocked cutter attempts before hitting a double neck breaker for the reset. Cassidy went up and over in the corner and repeatedly slammed Fox's head first into the, uh, head first into the turnbuckle. Fox sent Cassidy to the outside and hit a huge moonsault dive and a senton back inside for a close two. Cassidy countered a low main pain into a dive on the outside and a spinning DDT back in the ring that led to a beach break, but Fox kicked out. Fox then blocked an orange punch, set up Cassidy in the corner for a low main pain and got an near fall off of him. Cassidy then rolled to the apron. Fox was there and hit a rolling, a rolling thunder and a DDT back on the inside of the ring. Fox did, though, miss a 450. He seemed to tweak his ankle, but then he came back later in the show, seemed fine, so I'll just say he's. I think he's fine. Uh, Cassidy, this allowed Cassidy to wrench at it, the ankle that is, and then get a mousetrap to pick up the pin or the submission victory. So there we go. Orange Cassidy does win the match. And before we talk about the post match stuff, which is inter- very interesting, what do you think of the match itself?
2: The match was really fun. It was a perfect opener match to mm-hmm. have. And it was, to be it was a lot better than what I expected. I thought it was just going to be a regular match where, like, Orange Cassidy would retain. Honestly, a fun match. Yeah, because I, I really enjoyed it.
0: And I can see where you can think that because in his short time in AEW, we haven't seen much from AR Fox. A lot of his stuff has been in like trios matches and whatnot. So he's been kind of limited in his in-ring stuff. And if you haven't seen him outside of AEW, then I could see where you're like, oh, I'm not too sure on AR Fox. This may be good, may not be good. I can see that. Then after the match, Orange Cassidy kind of tries to praise AR Fox by putting sunglasses on him. A.R. Fox didn't like that. He snapped the uh, sunglasses in half and attacked Orange Cassidy. As A.R. Fox was leaving, Darby Allen would run down and get in his face saying, hey, what was that? That was disrespectful. Why would you do that? I put my name on the line for you, and you're going to act like that? You're going to treat the man that gave you a title shot like that? And every time A.R. Fox would try to walk away, Darby would get in his way. and be like, no, I want an answer. Why'd you do that? That was disrespectful, da 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 But Fox never gave Darby an answer. After all of that, Cassidy was trying to recover in the ring when, well, John Moxley would actually run in and lay out Orange Cassidy with a Death Rider. As Caliber talked about Cassidy getting involved at the end of the Claudio um, Pack match at Death Before Dishonor. Basically, if you guys didn't see it, it was Pack and Claudio. Orange Cassidy came down and got involved. He went to go for, I think it was the orange punch on Pack. Pack moved. He hit Claudio, and that's just. Throwing everything into disarray. What did you think of the
1: post-match?
2: Honestly starting to think they might be building towards uh, John Moxley being Orange Cassidy's like, next challenger for the belt. Good chance. And there's a good chance that Moxley is going to win that belt, but that might be a little bit of a downgrade for him, if, that, if I'm completely honest.
0: So before, this is weird, because I didn't, I I honestly, I'll be honest, I only watched half of Death Before Dishonor, and then I had to leave, so I never watched the last two or three matches on the show. And so I didn't even know about the whole Orange Cassidy got involved in the world title match and this and that. So when Moxley just attacks Orange Cassidy, I was like, what the hell is this? Why? What's going on? Until eventually, um, Excalibur explained it, and they showed the footage and everything. So it's like, Cool, they're... I don't know. They always said that ROH stuff and AEW stuff is going to be kept separate, but this is intertwining everything. So, yeah. It's cool, I guess. I get it, and you know, like... Go for it. I mean, I get it. Like,
2: Claudio's still, like, a big part of, like, AEW, though, even though he's, like, the right. Ring of Honor world champion, but... What did Tony Khan say when announced that Ring of Honor will be... On like Honor Club and stuff, he said he's gonna keep Honor stuff separate from AEW stuff, but now that's not the case.
0: He didn't say a hundred percent separate. He just said more than not. ROH stuff will now stay on ROH since they have their own show and this and that. So yeah, I guess that's what you know. The trolls are gonna come and go. Oh, he didn't say fully. He didn't. Cause they've done it before. They've said it to me before. But good opening match you haven't seen A.R. Fox before, he did work Lucha Underground. That's where a lot of people know him prior to this. So, yeah, we'll see where this all leads to, as this does all play into the main event of the night as well. So they opened the show with some of this, this, and they closed it. Go for it.
2: I'll say this about A.R. Fox, though. After Lucha Underground ended, I'm kind of shocked that no other wrestling company wanted to sign him. I'm surprised it took him, like, duck actually signed somewhere.
0: Right? I was thinking... I've been thinking the same thing because I liked his work in um, Lucha Underground. Now, I want to go look really fast. Like, where has he been working since Lucha Underground? I know he did... I know before they closed, he was working a lot for Evolve in like 2018, 2019. So, I do know that. And he was doing a lot of stuff with
1: Evolve. But as we look... When did Lucha Underground stop? That's a good
0: question. When did they end Lucha Underground? Because...
2: Let's say 2018 is when it ended.
0: Let's look at that real fast. Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground ran from... You're right. Final episode was November 7th, 2018. And... He worked, you know, during Lucha Underground... He was working a lot for like AAW, just a bunch of indies beyond wrestling and stuff. But then after Lucha Underground, he did, like I said, a lot for Evolve. But over the last couple of years, because he did a lot for Evolve in 2017, 18, and 19. But then in 2020, didn't work too much. He had a couple. So 2020 didn't work too much. Maybe one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, a dozen and a half matches. Only worked one GCW match in 2021. And then since then, he's worked three GCW matches and then AWROH. And a New Japan show. So really, since, you know, Lucha Underground ended. He hasn't done a lot. I thought he's done a lot more. No, it's all evolve. A couple FSPWs. One or two beyond wrestling. There's a match here for impact. But yeah, he hasn't really been getting, he worked consistent in 2019. I will say that. But then since then,
1: really since the pandemic hit, even before that, not a lot. So yeah. I'd get it if I people mean, haven't seen he his work. Didn't want
2: to work during the pandemic, though.
1: Maybe, but then
0: even after he didn't, really didn't come back much until he got signed by AEW with Ring of Honor and stuff. But hey, each their own, whatever. So I can see why a lot of people may have not seen him before. You know his AEW stuff because he's been around phew, decade. I think he started in like 2010, 2009, late 2009, maybe.
1: And I know when he first started, he was doing a lot of CZW. Or a good amount of CZW, but with Apollo that, Cruz said it. Go for it. Apollo Cruz said in an interview that his first ever
2: opponent was AR Fox. So that's really? how long AR Fox has been around.
0: Hold on, now I gotta look that
2: up. Apollo. It was an interview with Ryan Satin, I believe.
0: Well, I just wanna see when Apollo Cruz started, cause I never looked to see when he started wrestling. It's
2: been like a training match or something that Apollo said, like, Cruz. Yeah, that my first ever match.
1: Let's see. Let's go to Apollo Cruz's first match. So as far as his cage match does go. Well, let me see. Hold on. Because That's not what cage match has. Let's see what he said. Um... Yeah, because I don't see um that on his cage match. His first match in, on cage match was just against someone named Big Nasty in PWA. <clears throat> so I don't know where he would have fought. Well, actually, let me see. A R Fox says his first AR Fox match was in
0: AIW in 2011, so a year after he started. According to Cage Match, and Cage Match could be wrong, and maybe he knows better than Cage Match, I would say. If he knows, I mean, you're going to remember what your, who your first opponent is. And maybe, like you said, that was a training
1: match, and it wasn't actually on the record, So <clears throat> As we move forward, Renee Piquette is backstage,
0: with Chris Jericho and Don Callis, talked about fans wanting Jericho to be part of the Don Callis family. Callis said for Jericho to imagine a dream team with Konosuke Takeshita and himself, he'd be willing to give it a try. Callis said that their opponents would be Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara, as Callis said that Jericho wanted them to spread their wings, as Jericho reluctantly accepted. Callis commissioned a piece of art. It was the two of them from 1995, with Bad News Allen on there as well. So yeah, next week... On Dynamite, it will be Kanosuke Takeshita and Chris Jericho against Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. Very, very interesting matchup here. What do you think?
2: Basically determine like the fate of Jericho like, Appreciation Society. Right.
1: And
0: they, as we, uh,
2: like Stay loyal to, to Jericho or, are, or is it done?
0: And as we see later, they're not happy with Chris Jericho.
2: Marco said in the past, like, eventually you guys are going to have to leave my side and go your separate ways.
1: Right. So a brief Hook video,
0: or a brief video of Hook walking and taking a seat at a subway is shown before the subway speeds past Hook, and then boom, he disappears, he's gone. Claudia has newly and Wheeler cut a PSA backstage, telling kids not to play with fire or mess with the Blackpool Combat Club. Claudio said that the beating Pac suffered a death for Nasoner is nothing compared to what he'd get when he cross paths with him again. John Moxley then walked in and gave a warning to both the Lucha Bros and best friends, said that they will
1: pay for Pac's mistake. So, then we go to the ring, and I
0: don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what they're building to the next week, because I thought it was a match, but then when they showed the graphic, it doesn't seem like it's a match. But Tony Schiavone introduces us to the new FTW champion, Jack Perry, which again, I'm going to say it, music sucks. I hate the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony for him. I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. Did you see a fan went on and made a video where they, over, they, they put the 90210 theme music over his
1: entrance instead of the Beethoven music? I don't think I have, no. Yeah, it's not perfect but it's
0: so much better. And it's so funny because, you know, the whole gimmick is, you know, he's Hollywood now. He's a big-time star. So, like, the music kind of fits. It wasn't great, but I liked it a lot better than the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. That's just, I hear that music, and I see him walk out, and I'm like, this is dumb as hell. Like, this is stupid. So, Shivani got the crowd to start really booing Perry, who said after one loss... Hook realized he can't hang with the big boys. Also, he was wearing black and orange and had a shirt on that said, I beat Hook. Uh, the FTW title wasn't what Perry was talking about when he said that he would win gold in 2023 and said soon as he puts his hands on the title, it becomes a real deal. Basically saying, hey, fans have always said the FTW title's a joke, but now that I, Jack Perry, have it, it's not a joke anymore. Perry said that he's the best wrestler ever to hold the title and ran down Taz and his friends. This then brought out Jerry Lynn, of all people, who said ECW paved the way for this current generation. Without ECW, there never would have been a jungle boy and told Perry to keep running his mouth. Or he's going to get it kicked. Lynn then squared up, and Perry said, I'm not dressed to fight. You want to fight? Give me somebody to fight, and that's when Jerry Lynn made it feel like it was going to be him. And then instead of challenging Lynn to a match now or accepting him fight, he said, I'll, I'll just see you next week. So it seems like they were going to, to me, I thought they were building up to a match. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry Lynn hasn't worked a match in like 10 years. I think.
2: Why Jerry Lynn, of all people,
1: like, Like, so random. I don't
0: know. Jerry Lynn's last match was. Hold on. Jerry Lynn has not worked a match since, according to Cage Match 2013. March 2013. And so I thought this was building to a match between the two next week on the show,
1: but then I'm going to pull this up on the screen. We get this graphic. Get me boom, which is very weird. Because if it was a match,
0: and I'll I'll pull this up here as well. Actually, let me just do it this way. So if we were getting a
1: match per se, then the graphic would look more like this. Let me do this. So it looked more like this where it's got a name, a name, and it says
0: versus in the middle. But this says Jack Perry face-to-face Jerry Lynn. So is it not a match? And
1: they're just going to go face-to-face? Isn't that what they did tonight? Like, huh? I don't understand what this is next week. Don't don't get it. This is like confusing. I already went, I already had like a
2: confrontation tonight. Yeah. Why do they have to do it again? Exactly. Unless it's like a sit down interview or something, which.
0: No, they uh. would, it would say, you know, interview or whatever, but oops. Um, so yeah,
1: I'm confused on what this is. I have no clue. So Renee Paquette's in the back with
0: Britt Baker. Asking her reaction to Taya Valkyrie's comments on Collision, Baker thanked Valkyrie and said that she's excited for their first ever meeting. But we'll drag Valkyrie to the deep end and remind everyone that TBS is the Brit show.
1: <clears throat> Go. So then we had Pack vs. Gravity. And boy, has everyone been making
0: this joke. Because if you remember when he was in WWE as Neville, he was Neville the man that gravity forgot because of his broken arrow and his flip and how he can like get super big hang time and all that. So They've been making the joke all week, whether that is random people on Twitter or even people in AEW where they're like, Oh, PAC's going to face. Well, someone that finally remembered him gravity. But
1: the wrestling world has literally like memed this match so hard. Yeah. Also, was
2: literally the only reason why they did this match is for just like kind of like poke fun at WWE. That's the only reason. No, why they
0: I don't it. know about that. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't think it's that. I did like though when Gravity was coming out and Taz started singing John Mayer "Gravity, Gravity." I thought that was funny. Freaking, we need more Taz trying to sing when he can't sing. Ruby, 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 Ruby. So, anyways. Um, during his entrance, Gravity acted like he was walking on the moon. Pack brilliantly tried to reintroduce himself to Gravity as he was previously known as the man that Gravity forgot. Taz, meanwhile, shoehorned in, like I said, some John Mayer. And Then Gravity used his speed to send Pack to the floor early on and tried to play some mind games, only to eat a dropkick through the ropes by Pack, who stayed in control the entire picture-in-picture break. Uh, back from the commercial, we saw the Blackpool Combat Club watching from the locker room. Gravity fought out of the corner with a leaping crossbody, but Pack responded with a series of kicks. Both men went to the top and Pack countered with an avalanche brain buster and quickly got the submission victory with the brutalizer. So there we go. Not a long match at all. Not really much to the match. Pack picks up the win. What'd you think? It's just an okay
2: match. It was literally just trying to make Pack look strong against like I wanna say Blackpool Combat Club, because I keep teasing that they're gonna face one of those guys again.
0: Right. Honestly, I thought um, Gravity's match at Death Before Dishonor with Commander was a better match. I'm going to say it right now. I thought it was better. Maybe only because it got more time. and that's why I think that. But yeah. Um, we then see some post-match comments from Renee Paquette with the Blind Eliminator Tournament winners MJF and Adam Cole. So I guess because they're working collision, they gave him the night off. And so these two and FTR filmed their stuff last week because they had like the um, blood and guts graphics and everything on the screens behind them. So that's kind of weird that they didn't even just throw different gra- I don't know. Make it seem like it's this week and throw different graphics on the screen. It takes a whole minute to click a button and change the graphics. It's not that hard. Trust me, I've done it. I've worked with screens like that it's not that hard to change the graphics and then make it all seem like they're there this week. But they're not. They weren't. Whatever. Um, MJF? They
2: literally act like wrestling fans are like so stupid that they won't even recognize it.
0: Well, they at least put on the bottom of the screen for this and the FTR segment last Wednesday. They did put that last Wednesday to tell us, hey, this was filmed last Wednesday. But why do that when you could have just, you know, made us think they were there tonight? Put the regular graphics on the screen for a whole five minutes or so. Like, it didn't, I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways, MJ, um, Cole was about to start the promo when MJF cut him off and trash-talked both members of FTR, mocking Dax Harwood constantly cutting the same promos, and MJF saying that MJF will punch him so hard that in the face that he'll spit out M- M- CM Punk's jockstrap. The only initials that matter aren't FTR, it's MJF. Cole said never in a million years did he expect to be friends with Max and said that he has nothing to worry about when touching the AEW world title post-match like he did last week. Cole said that MJF is becoming one of his best friends and MJF said win, lose, or draw. He wants Cole to know that he's getting a rematch for the world title. So basically he said it right there. Hey, I'll give you a shot at this title again. Roderick Strong then stormed in and shoved MJF saying that Cole you shouldn't trust him. Cole told MJF to leave as he said, that he loves Strong, but he's pushing Cole away because he's showing that, well, maybe Strong doesn't fully trust Cole trying to tell him what to do and who to trust. So, really, it's just further building up that MJF's going to turn on him. Roddy's going to be right, and then maybe we get
1: Roddy versus MJF before MJF and Cole for the title. I don't know. Any thoughts on this? I think going to happen. Thank MJF and Adam Cole lose to FTR, and
2: Adam Cole is like, well, you still owe me a shot. Remember, you said you were going to give me a title shot, and MJF's going to be like, I don't remember that. Uh, I can see that. He's either going to act like I don't remember that, or like, never mind, I'm not going to give you the title shot. Mm-hmm. And They're probably going to go the route of, oh, if you want to face me, you're going to have to go through all these guys like
1: MJF always does in the past. Maybe, but there's not enough time for that. I mean, yeah, there's four weeks. But, I don't know. They like dynamite and collision. True. But how often do MJF and Cole work collision is the question. MJF's gonna, this will be his second one, I believe. Yes. And... Well, yeah. The other one was a pre-taped collision, too, on a Thursday. So this is his first actual Saturday.
0: Then we got comments from last week from FTR with Renee, As Wheeler said, that he's excited about collision on Saturday, but feels bad Adam Cole was being dragged into this. And hold on. First off, first off, first off. So if the, now that I'm thinking about this, these comments are from last week, and they tell, them, they tell us they're from last week. But didn't, or am I thinking, no. Wasn't FTR on the show last week with Shivani giving comments? Or am I thinking of something else? I,
2: I don't remember. Hold he, on. They might have been. I'll have to look back at
0: I'm, look, I'm looking back really fast. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I know, because they, so, it may have been collision, two collisions ago, not this past Saturday. No, because, hold on. Because here's my thing. Let me look at something really fast. Because now, all of this may just not make any sense at all. And now they're just really making this feel dumb. But give me one second here. Um, nope, wrong thing. Go back to my Collision and Dynamite notes from last week.
1: Boom, 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 boom. Collision. Because I remember they were in the ring. It may have been Collision. Yes, FTR had a promo on Collision. So
0: if these quotes and comments are from last Wednesday, why do we need to hear stuff they said last Wednesday when we already heard from them Saturday, which was technically in all actuality, after these were, I don't know, they're playing us dumb. They're playing us dumb. Like, they said stuff on Saturday, so why go back even farther in time to give us more quotes? It, it makes no sense. I'll just read what they said, though. Um, Wheeler said he's excited about Collision on Saturday, but he feels bad Adam Cole has been dragged into this. They respect Cole, but they hate MJF, calling him a generational ass-kisser. Everyone who has been with MJF, including his fiance, once they got to know him, leave him. Harwood said that he won't get gimmicked up like MJF since... This is real to him. At Collision, MJF won't make a mockery of professional wrestling, and he'll beat the shit out of Max on Saturday. Harwood apologized to Cole, but said that you're going to get a beating on Collision. But yeah, I remember on Collision when um, Dax cut that promo where he was like, yeah, they don't take things seriously. They got their their skits. They got their dance breaks. So I don't know why we needed this again from them when they just spoke three, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like
1: three days, four days ago. But what did you think of Adam Cole and Adam Cole and MJF and then the FTR comments?
2: I thought the MJF Adam Cole stuff was effective. And mm-hmm. it was like,
1: like very like building and like further like I'm looking for like it seemed like intense maybe i don't know but like
2: the whole ftr stuff like i didn't really get that i don't know why we had to hear that again so
0: exactly i i didn't care for it because it's like we already heard him four days ago (laughs) say the same basically thing
1: can't trust mjf we hate mjf and we know because we were with him in the pinnacle like okay cool let
2: FTR leaving the pinnacle, that was, like, the best thing for them. Right. Like, first so, time with AEW, like, a lot of people felt like, all right, these guys will finally do better in WWE. But, like, they, like, paired them with the pinnacle, and they were basically just guys with MJF.
0: Well, their first little run was good. They won the tag titles and stuff. And then, yeah, when they got added into the pinnacle, it was kind of like, oh, they're extra guys. But now they're doing great stuff again, so. I'm going to ask a question here, but I think I already know your answer. It's Swerve Strickland versus Darby Allen. And frickin' A, they're doing what I didn't want them to do. Nick Wayne is just Darby Allen's young boy. That's it. He's just Darby's young boy. I really wish that they wouldn't have done something. They wouldn't have done this and just... It's fine to pair him with Darby, but they're really just making it like, oh, he follows Darby around and does whatever Darby does. And, And I know you feel the same way. I saw your tweet earlier.
2: It's literally just, like, a little kid that follows Darby around, or he's just, like, the little kid that's, like, uh, like Darby's, like, my mentor and stuff. You know, which is, I guess, fine, though, when you're saying, like, Darby's my mentor. He taught me a lot and stuff. Like, make, make basically just, like, making this guy, like, just, he follows Darby around, which is so
0: annoying. Right. And, I mean, it's coming off of, like... Dude, Darby was the cool guy when I was a kid so I want to just hang around with Darby and this. And but no, I really wish that they would just make Nick Wayne his own guy and granted it does look like the story is leading to Swerve Strickland and AR Fox versus Darby and Nick Wayne, so maybe once this is all done then they can break Nick Wayne off he can go do his own thing and go from there so maybe we're just prematurely getting mad for nothing Match itself was good
2: yeah, I would at least give it some time though
0: Match itself was good and boy did that Death Valley driver on the apron spot scare the shit out of me. Oh my God, was that a scary looking spot. Oh, yeah. So as far as the matches go, after an early back and forth, nearly saw an incident ending, an uh, identical ending to the Royal Rampage on Friday with Allen on the apron this time with Strickland dri- uh, diving to the outside only to eat a code red as a result. Allen Chuck Strickland into the steps repositioned them but and repositioned them, but Strickland reversed a whip. Allen then cleared the steps as Strickland launched off the steps with a massive hall ki- uh, house kick call. Or house call kick. I wrote that backwards. Strickland then controlled the entire break, working over Allen's wrist and taunting Nick Wayne at ringside. Strickland then connected with a roll-through a roll flatliner and a huge suplex before both men traded a series of roll-ups, ending with Strickland kicking out of The Last Supper. Strickland then rolled to the apron, and Allen speared him through the ropes and landed right on his head on the outside in the process. Back inside the ring, Strickland rolled out out to the floor again, and this time caught a charging Allen with a knee lift in midair. Back inside the ring, Strickland hit a swerve stomp, but Allen kicked out. Both men then went to the top rope, and Allen managed an avalanche over-the-top stunner, sending Strickland to the apron. Allen wanted to go for the coffin drop, but Strickland pulled out the feet and hit an unreal, unreal. Um, scary looking death valet driver off the second rope on the edge of the ring on the apron boy Darby Darby ain't going to be doing this for much longer. If he keeps taking moves like this, Darby's going to wreck his body. Referee was distracted at one point by Prince Nana, Nick Wayne running around the ring as Allen was about to roll back into the ring. A hooded man that we obviously knew who it was. A.R. Fox attacks and throws him back in the ring. Strickland then connects with the JML driver to get the big, the pinfall victory. Afterwards, AR Fox reveals that it's him, even though it's very obvious it was him. They attack Nick Wayne and Darby Allen post match. They then give him an embassy shirt, not even Mogul embassy, it's just the embassy. And there we go. AR Fox is now a member of the Mogul embassy. And it does look like it's leading to Strickland and Fox against Allen and Wayne. What did you think of the match in the post-match?
2: The match was fun. And, like, at the beginning of the show, when, like, A.R. Fox like basically turned heel on Orange Cassidy, and then they had John Moxley attack Orange Cassidy. And it almost made me feel like A.R. Fox was going to join Blackpool Combat Club, but then later
1: on he joins Vogel mm. Embassy. Nah, no, I mean... Go for it. Like... I
2: don't know really how I feel about AeroFogs joining Mogul MC. Like, they really act like they're New Japan where everybody has to be in a faction.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you how I feel. I don't care either way because they just do that too much of people got to be in groups. You ain't New Japan. Like, New Japan does it. Cool. Don't copy New Japan with that. Do your own thing. Not everybody has to be affiliated with somebody else. And I don't get it. There's a lot of people that aren't, but there's a lot of groups in AEW. Also, Is Big Bill now part of the embassy? Because when they were showing stuff for that Rampage tag team battle royal, they had Big Bill and um, Brian Cage there, but Prince Nana was standing with them too. So is Big Bill also part of the embassy?
1: They didn't say it, but him and and Cage are teaming, and they got Prince Nana there. Maybe, I mean,
2: him and Lee Moriarty I guess are no longer a thing. So,
1: well yeah, the firm is done, dead Kaputsky. The firm's gone. I mean,
0: it's like there's no firm.
2: Maybe from their standpoint they're probably like, well we need to put big bills somewhere, so let's just throw them in the embassy.
0: Well, I think cuz they randomly did like him and Brian Cage being paired together for the blind tournament was random. But fans loved it so much, they're like, "Oh, oh, we need to keep these two together." Renée Pique's backstage with Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Anna J and a very pregnant Ty Conti. They're waiting for Chris Jericho'. As they want to confront him about next week. They walk into the dressing room together, and there's the painting that Dom gave him already hung up. Jericho said, "Forget about that." And asked, "Hey, how's the baby doing?" She said, the "Baby's fine. But what's going on with you, Chris?" Angela Parker was about to give uh, his comb to Jer- give back his comb to Jericho, but then said, "Not quite yet." Anna J. And said that Jericho is being selfish. And said like, Hager, we can't give you 100% right now. Everybody but Menard left who told Jericho, figure things out and fast. So yeah. We're slowly building to the implosion and the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The breakup of the JAS. And I do like this. I like the way they're doing it. And it's not just all, "Ah, we're done with you. No, it's, we care about you. We want to be with you. We want this group to last. But if you can't be there for us, why should we be there for you? So now we're going to see where this leads to. So I like that they didn't like quickly break them up or do any of that. It's like, no, we all care about each other, but we can't give you 100% if you can't give us 100%. What'd you
1: think of this?
2: I thought this was like very effective. And I'm glad they're like this way. To like, oh, we're done with you, or like we've seen like some groups in the past where they just like, completely just like, up in just one night. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really glad they're doing it this way.
1: Yeah.
0: So like it's 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 like a fa- it's basically like a family. Yes, our dad in Jericho is not, you know. Doing what he needs to do for the family. But the family's not going to fully turn on him. We're going to hope that daddy comes back. But if he doesn't, then of course, we can't be loyal to dad if he's not loyal to us. and So that's basically what it is. And I like it. I, I actually do. Next up, we did have a Britt Baker versus Taya Valkyrie. Some of this is good. Some of this wasn't good. It was just there. It was okay. And then the finish just comes out of nowhere. Baker worked uh, early on with a headlock, but Valkyrie used her power to gain control with a running corner knee. Uh, with a wrist taped, Valkyrie ripped uh, ripped off stiff chops and a short arm lariat. But Baker tried to go for the midsection, only to sort of fall to a road of Valhalla. It was kind of a weird transition. The crowd booed because they weren't liking this, and the whole spot looked very clunky. Um, at one point, Baker didn't get up enough. So Valkyrie just mounted and dished out some strikes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? These two did not seem on the same page. When they returned from a break, the crowd was still booing as Valkyrie was trapped in a Baker cravat and ate a knee strike. Valkyrie then was sent into the corner, stumbled out, and Baker hit a ripcord strike only for Valkyrie to kick out at one. A forearm battle commenced as both ladies traded kicks, and Valkyrie just dove for a lariat. Baker wanted to go for the Panama Sunrise, but Valkyrie countered into a Northern Lights. But Baker then got in control, tried again, and got the Panama Sunrise for a two. Baker took too long putting on her glove, and Valkyrie hit her with a spear. Wanted to go for the Vote to Valhalla, but Baker then spun out of it, got the lockjaw on, and then all of a sudden it was just over. She hits, got the lockjaw on, and Taya just immediately taps out and is done. And I'm like, what the, what the, huh? It's over? That's it? Those wasn't the best of matches at all. And also, I don't know if you saw or noticed, I don't know how you couldn't, as soon as the match ended, the cameras focused right on this sign in the crowd that said,
1: book the women's division better. I definitely saw that sign. Yeah. What would you think of the match?
2: The match was just okay. We, we've seen better matches. I had a feeling that they're going to put Taya with the outcast because she did kind of tease on Collision that might be joining the outcasts.
1: I can see that, but I mean, as of right now, Brit's all by herself.
0: I mean, Jamie oh, Hayter hasn't been
1: kept asking.
0: Jamie Hader hasn't been seen since Double or Nothing. She hasn't even been backstage since Double or Nothing.
1: On the YouTube chat, kept asking, "Is there any update on Jamie Hader?" Nope. Nothing other than she hasn't been backstage.
2: Sick. I can you know, she's doing her own thing as well, so
1: like, mm-hmm. it's just all on her own.
0: As we move forward, we got our main event. It's a triple threat match, triple threat tag team match. It's the Blackpool Combat Clubs, John Moxley and Claudio the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Peretta, and the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix, or as Justin Roberts says, Ray Fenix, and Penta El Cerro Miedo. Jam-packed crazy main event match where my notes may not be all that great for the start of this match. Cause they were all just going at it. And it was one of those kind of hard to keep up kind of things. Blue Chibos and the best Friends started fighting before the BCC even got to the ring as the brawl was on uh, Taylor and Moxley brawled up the ramp before everyone else joined in on the floor. And Taylor hit a somersault dive off the stage onto the pile of people back in the ring, Phoenix and Claudio had a nice exchange when Phoenix did a, a massive springboard arm drag, only to eat a sexy chucky knee from Beretta. Moxley then jumped in with a cutter, and Claudio cleaned house with a bunch of uppercuts. Phoenix then fell back into a tag from Beretta, who tackled or tackled Phoenix for revenge, and then whacked him in the face with a for whacking him in the face with a chair at Death Before Dishonor last Friday. Beretta then missed a knee on Claudio but did the Saito suplex before trying a dive only to eat an uppercut. And there we go. Moxley then tagged in and destroyed Trent with a King Kong lariat as we go to the commercial break. Breda fought out of the corner with a missile dropkick on Claudio, tagging in Chuck Taylor, who dropped Moxley with some soul food. Moxley then tried turning the tables, but ate in jumping knee and a German suplex by Taylor. Penta made the blind tag on Moxley and fired off with some sling blades and a backstabber on Taylor. All six men then started slugging it out in the middle of the ring until best friends just decided to hug and give the people what they wanted. Moxley and Claudio then were sent to the outside and the Lucha Bros were planted with dueling pile drivers by the best friends. Lucha Bros then gained control with super kicks and submission attempts as Penta snapped back on the arm of Beretta before hitting a Meteora. Or no, a Maiden Penta. I wrote that wrong. Claudio and Moxley then broke things up, beating down the best friends with anvil elbows, stomps, and a power bomb by Claudio to Taylor. Claudio then wanted a Ricola bomb, but Orange Cassidy's music would hit, and everyone kind of just froze. Orange started walking down the ramp. Wheeler Uta ran after him. Orange Cassidy knocks him out. Cassidy then slugged it out with Moxley on the ramp as Beretta dropped Claudio with a crunchy. But told Claudio but was told Claudio's not the legal man, so you can't pin him. Ucha Bros then jumped in, laid out Trent, hit him with the fear factor. And Penta picked up the victory. Lucha Bros get the win. Before we get to the the post-match and stuff, and the match announced for next week, what did you think of the match itself?
2: I mean, it was decent. Like, it was a good match. I'm not going to say it was a great match, but it was a good match.
0: A lot of run-ins and outside interference on this show. I will say that. Absolutely. A lot of brawling. Post-match.
2: Like, They really focused too much on, like, outside brawling and, like, the stuff after the match. Like, the match itself. Right,
0: because, like, in the opening match, that match with AR Fox and Orange Cassidy, good match. Match didn't even matter. Match didn't matter. It was all about the post-match with Darby and AR Fox and then Claudia, or no, Moxley and Orange Cassidy. Like, we didn't even need the match. We just needed the post-match. That's what counts. That's what matters. Then we had... The, the run-in and all that in the Darby Swerve match. then we had it again with this match, with Orange Cassidy coming out and then the brawling afterwards. So it's like, eh, the post-match. Commentary talked about how the BCC are unfamiliar with losing multiple matches in a row. They lost last week in Bud and Guts. Now they lost this week. And then Best Friends and Orange Cassidy kept brawling with the BCC. Basically, they were all jumping on Moxley and then Claudio and Yuta came and broke things up and whatnot. Where uh, the Lucha Bros then kind of made Moxley back off a little as he bailed. Everyone was a lot of stuff going on. I couldn't really keep up with it. And Then all of a sudden, we kind of hear Excalibur going. I'm getting word from Tony Khan. A big match is being made next week for Dynamite episode 200. It is an anything goes three way match. Where we will see John Moxley, Trent Beretta, and Penta El Zero Miedo. So yeah, a triple threat match. Anything goes. No rules. Next week on Dynamite. Speaking of next week and the next couple of shows, of course, Rampage this Friday does go. Karushita will be taking on Nyla Rose. In a tag team battle royal to figure out who may be the next contenders for the tag team championships is Jay Lethal and Satin M. Singh, Big Bill and Brian Cage, Ethan Page and Brothers A, the Hardy Boys, Butcher and the Blade, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, Luther and Serpentico, Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. winner will receive an AEW tag team title shot. Also on Rampage, Scorpio Sky will be going one-on-one with Kip Sabian. And The Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, will be in action. far Collision does go this Saturday. The FT, or the AEW World Champ, World Tag Team Championships will be on the line when FTR defend against the AEW World Champion MGF and Adam Cole. In a ladder match for his mask, Andrade El Idolo, because no one can say that name, Andrade El Idolo will be taking on Buddy Matthews. And also in six-man trios action, El Hijo del will team up with Axon and Dreddy and Darius Martin to take on Juice Robinson and the Guns. Next week on Dynamite, episode 200, Jack Perry will go face to face with Jerry Lynn. Chris Jericho will team with Kenoski at catch and Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia. And in Anything Goes Three Ways, it's John Moxley, Tramparetta, and Penta El Cierro Miedo. With that, you got any closing thoughts on Dynamite? I don't believe so, no. Let's refresh the polls because you know what we thought of the show. We, uh, we, we, we we over this way. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought. So let's refresh all these polls really fast and see. Gauge the audience, I guess you can say. Also, before we do that, the show is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Loot. So we'll talk about that while I refresh everything. This podcast is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Loot. For the fan and all of us. Pro Wrestling Loot is a curated box of pro wrestling merchandise sent to you every single month at one low cost. Each month, you're going to get a t-shirt, autographs, posters, art, and collectibles. This past month, they sent us the CMLL Welterweight Championship. For our listeners right here, use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout and you will get 20% off your next purchase. Again, head over to ProWrestlingLoot.com and use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout to get 20% off your next order. So with that, as far as the polls do go, Twitch poll, 100% liked the show. Good to see. As far as the Twitter poll does go, or the X poll, whatever we're calling these now, 44% liked the show, 36% thought it was just alright, and 19% percent did not like it. I think that's the closest I liked it, and it was just all right. We've seen in a very long time on any of these polls, but specifically Dynamite. As far as the YouTube community poll does go, 60% liked the show. 27% thought it was just all right, and 13% did not like it. Some of the comments, 7 out of 10. First says, we got a pay-per-view coming, and still no matches set. Yeah, I know. First says, Hardy take the titles from FTR. Calling it now. Good matches, no story, very unimportant show. I could see where you can think that. And this person says it was a very sloppy episode. There was some sloppy stuff, I will say for sure. As far as the YouTube live poll does go, 63% liked the show, 21% thought it was just all right, and 14% did not like it. But with that, that's going to wrap everything up. I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited YouTube .com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod App, Pod Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Luke, tell them where they can find you.
2: Find me over at Twitter at Petkey underscore 21. he goes will find me over at Twitch at TheLukePetkey.
0: With that, guys, have a great rest of your week. I'll be back Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up, and then Friday evening for Friday night
1: SmackDown. With that, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.